Welcome to the Monday Morning Message podcast of Grace Community Church of Delaware, where we seek to consider and discuss the biblical implications and life issues that come out of our study of God's Word. My name is Jared Cooper, and on the Monday Morning Message, we seek to consider and discuss these things with our pastor, Paul Shirley. How you doing, bro? I'm back here with you again, Jared, and happy to be so. So uh, I know that we haven't done this before on the podcast, so I'm, I'm looking forward to this and see where this goes. This is, uh, you know, the January kind of podcast release, so we'll, we're in a new year, and I know that you also do a State of the Church sermon. So I wanted to talk to you because specifically this year is going to be your 10th year here at Grace Church. Uh, so just a, uh, wanted to get a little bit of insight from you, kind of see, you know, what you're thinking, how you're thinking through, you know, what the church has been through in, in the last 10 years. and. Uh, some things that have blessed your heart, some things that are maybe even discouragements and uh, things that the Lord's worked on you through. So uh, I'd like to start with uh, maybe asking you, what are you thinking even this year for the state of the church? What are some things that are on your heart uh, for 2022? Well, just some some history there. Uh, this is my 10th anniversary coming up. And every year at the first Sunday that I'm preaching of the year in January, I'll preach a sermon that I call State of the Church Sermon that, that basically just provides a pastoral perspective on where we've been as a church and, and where I think the Lord has us going. And we'll pick a text to study through that I think will be particularly impactful for us for whatever the Lord might have in store for us. This is actually something I picked up from a friend and mentor of mine, a guy, a pastor by the name of Steve Kreloff in Clearwater, Florida, did something similar to this. I don't know if he used the exact phrase. I think I may have stole the whole thing from him totally. <laughs> but it's 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 a way for me at the beginning of the year to just, in my own heart, remember what God has done, and then also to prayerfully think through what faithfulness will look like in the year to come. And of course, I'm not a prophet. I don't know. You know, when I did the State of the Church sermon in 2020, I didn't say, okay, guys, we got a pandemic coming. We're going to have to get ready for that. Um, if you had only known. Uh, yeah, I would have <laughs> asked for a sabbatical or something. But So it's not necessarily that. It's just maybe some principles that I as a pastor think, this is, these are some things that we need to focus on in the year to come. And um, just praying through it and thinking through it for what we have in store for us and, and what I want to um, talk to our church about in our state of the church sermon, I think I'm going to go with the end of, of Ephesians chapter three, where Paul says, beginning in verse 14, for this reason, I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he might grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever Amen. And there's obviously a lot going on in that passage, uh, but I think there's some key themes in there for us as a church moving forward, uh, specifically how important it is for us to know God and to know the love of God in Christ Jesus. 
and how that knowledge uh, fills us with the fullness of God. And then also the, the reminder that God is able to do far more abundantly than, than all that we ask or even think of. And um, those, are, those are powerful principles that will be helpful for us to, to kind of recalibrate our ministry thought life around in the year to come. So as you even think about that and the faithfulness of the Lord, you know, I think that's a helpful way to think through if you're, you know, you're preparing these sermons is just to think about the Lord's faithfulness, you know. So you go back 10 years, you know, you first get here. What do you think, uh, I mean, maybe what, what were some of your expectations? Maybe even give a little bit of background about how you got here. I think most of the folks that listen would know, but maybe what the church looked like and, and kind of what you walked into and what maybe some expectations you had that the Lord worked on in you in the first couple of years there. Yeah, we we came here to be a part of the church plant here, and uh, we came through a ministry called Grace Advance, which is ministry of Grace Community Church, where Pastor John MacArthur uh, leads that ministry there. And so we were sent out by uh, Grace Church out in California. Uh, we are obviously originally from Florida. We had plans to plant a church in Florida, and the Lord planned otherwise, and through a series of really amazing and strange providences, we ended up in Delaware, wherever that is. <laughs> and uh, I mean, this is how surprised we are, were by God's providence to bring us here. I mean, I, I came obviously as a grown man, I came to be the pastor here, but I, I came as a grown man. And this was the first time I had ever seen snow in my life. And, uh, you know, that... Not a ton of snow in Florida. There is zero snow in Florida. Like, you go to Disney World in December... The only sledding you're doing is sand sledding. It, yeah, I mean, you go to Disney World in December and they blow, like, soap bubbles out and they go, hey, look, it's snowing, you know? And it's like, no, that's suds, you know? But I think when we came here, I'm not sure we quite knew what to expect. The only thing we knew is that this is where the Lord had called us to be. Uh, he had uh, convinced us of that through the desires of our heart and through the wise counsel of, of faithful friends. And so we came here, and uh, I, I think we were trying to figure out what to make of this and what to expect. And the the needs were so great as soon as we got here, there wasn't a lot of time for forecasting and planning for down the road. We had a small group of people, I think, uh, when when our family arrived, there was there was four of us plus our youngest was on the way. And uh, how old were Becky and Kayla? We'd have to get my wife on the podcast to do that <laughs> math. I think so. That was 2012. So they would have been three and five. Three and five is how old uh, my other two daughters were. Plus my youngest was not quite born yet. Uh, my wife was great with child when we arrived here, and um, as far as your daughters were concerned, you still knew everything. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's how long ago it was. Um, and uh, probably we had in that that original group there, including my family, maybe about twenty five people. And we somewhere I've got in my files a picture of everybody, and I've counted it before, and it's like twenty four, twenty five, something like that. Uh, so a smaller group, but but we had all kinds of, of needs within the group, spiritual needs and, and opportunities to serve. 
And uh, then we had all kinds of building issues. I think the first year, year and a half that I was here, we met like in six different locations. Wow. And we, we, we met in an office. Uh, we met in a gymnasium. We met in a cafeteria. We're back at an office. We met in another church for a while until... Uh, there was problems with that, and you know, so we were just kind of there was just constantly all of these details on top of pastoral ministry that 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 kept me running so much that I think in some ways I I don't know that I had the time to to forecast what I thought the ministry would be. All I had time to do was try to figure out what does faithfulness right now look like, and and so that's what we did. And along the way, we we. Uh, we're just trusting the Lord for those things. I think surviving was what we were hoping to do. And really the desire then was the same as it is now to see a multi-generational faithful church in our area, a uh, place where people can go to hear the word of God preached, and also a place where people can go to to be discipled in love. I remember talking about that in the very beginning with people that we want to be a church that loves the truth, but we also want to be a place where the truth produces love in us. Uh, we want to be a loving congregation with with body life, a strong body life. And I think that was probably the part of the ministry that took the longest to catch on um, with some people, um, especially with new visitors who are coming in, because they just hear, okay, MacArthur guy, expository preaching. I listen to MacArthur on the radio. I just want to come hear a sermon. And they would come to our church, and 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 they would hear a sermon that was nowhere near as good as MacArthur's sermons. And then they were being asked to participate in the life of the church in all these ways that were stretching and humbling and challenging. And it was like, I don't really want any of this. I just wanted a preaching station. Yeah. And we were trying to plant a church. And um, there were a lot of uh, names and faces of sweet people who cycled through and just for whatever reason, either either God's calling in their life or their own immaturities, they they weren't ready to be a part of a church plant to to try to do what we were doing and, and moved along. Uh, so I think there was a lot of uh, a lot of challenges and disappointments along the way there, but but in terms of what were we expecting or what were we hoping to happen, I don't even know. I don't even know. I think we just were young and naive enough to say this is where the Lord wants us. And I can't, in good conscience, stay somewhere else. The Lord wants me here, so we just came, <laughs> and yeah. and, um, and you just wanted to see what the Lord was going to do with it, right? Yeah, and 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 trying to trying to figure out what faithfulness looked like along the way in the specific situation, uh, uh, specific situations that we we're facing along the way. So um, it seems like a lifetime ago, but it also seems like just yesterday. Yeah. What do you think the Lord was teaching you and all that? And even maybe, too, I mean, what did you start with? How did you try to think through that? Uh, what book am I going to start teaching through? What was important? Yeah, that I'll answer that question first because that's the easiest question. I taught through the book of Mark first on Sunday mornings because in my previous ministry uh, with college students, I had already preached through the first five chapters of Mark, and I knew that the first year was going to be exhausting. Did you do uh, a lot of... Um... No, did you visit other churches, or was this the first uh, church that you came to that was kind of what do they call that? You, that I candidated other Candidate, churches. That's the word. Yeah. No, there wasn't much. There wasn't really a candidating process because we were looking to do church planning. So I had 
there was probably a handful of other groups that were looking to plant churches that that I knew about and I had talked to, but uh, this is where the Lord directed us. And so we ended up here. I knew the first year was going to be, from a family perspective, moving, new baby. We were about to have three kids, five and under, um, new ministry, didn't know anybody. I just knew it was going to be demanding. So I chose to preach through the gospel of Mark for two reasons. One, I had already done the exegesis in the first five chapters, and I was confident that uh, I, I would have to go back and do work each week, but it would be a little bit less. Uh, and then also I knew we had a hodgepodge of theological perspectives all coming together. And so I knew some difficult doctrines were going to have to be addressed and I wanted it to come from Jesus's teaching ministry, not mine. I wanted people to hear Jesus teaching these things straight from the gospel of Mark. So uh, we started with the gospel of Mark as to what the Lord, that was what I was teaching as to what the Lord was teaching me, um, I don't know if I would have known it at the time, but looking back, I would say the two things that the Lord was really deepening in my own life and ministry was uh, the importance of humility and uh, also how to love people even when they don't seem lovable. And uh, in terms of humility, it was a very humbling time. You know, you come and you're you're part of a very small ministry, and you're part of uh, a very small ministry in a very small state that's very different than what you're used to. What size church were you coming from? A couple hundred people. That's probably a previous church. So, like you said, what, 20, 20 25? 25, yep. Yeah. And um, uh, just culturally, very different. Um, yeah, Florida and Delaware could not be more different culturally. Yeah. In a lot of ways, yeah. At least, at least a part of Florida where I'm from, you know, and and the, one uh, with the dinner bell. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did grow up with a dinner bell. We were out playing barefoot in in the field, and mom would ra- ring the dinner bell. I would so, be yes, shocked if anybody in Delaware had a dinner bell. Yeah, just saying. Yeah, so um, definitely some differences there. Yeah. Um, but but in other ways, it was humbling too. I mean, I just. Um, it was humbling when I first arrived. Uh, look, uh, by and large, uh, our family was deeply loved. Uh, one of our founding elders, Roy Wilson, I remember him telling me, look, I don't know that we can even guarantee that we'll have a paycheck for you, but I can guarantee you we'll love you. And he kept that promise. Yeah. He he and his wife, Naomi, made sure that the church kept that promise. We've always been loved. But in the midst of that, there's still been some tensions there. And, you know, there's a lot of anticipation when it when when a new guy comes to plant a church and be a part of that. There's a lot of anticipation of what that will mean for ministry, which means inevitably there's a lot of disappointment. And it's a humbling thing to have people disappointed by your ministry. Mm. It doesn't matter if their expectations were right or wrong, e- even if their expectations were, were not biblically informed. It's a humbling thing to know my ministry disappoints this family. Uh, and then sometimes it was right. I did disappointing things, you know, made made mistakes or whatever. And and along the way, the Lord humbles you with that. And and on top of that, there was some there was even some some health issues that the Lord brought into my life and to my wife's life that were deeply humbling. Right at the end of the first year. 
you know, I, I had some health issues. I had to have, I had to have emergency surgery literally to save my life. And I was pretty debilitated by that for about six months and still got some still, <laughs> but, but for a good six months, I was in and out of bed quite a bit, but the needs were so great. And, and some of those disappointed people were so disappointed. I didn't really have the time to just say, I need some time away or I need some help. We just had to keep at it or else the church wasn't going to keep its doors open. And boy, that was stretching. That was humbling to be physically weakened in a time when I felt like I needed my physical strength more than I ever did. You know, that, that was humbling. And then you know, it wasn't too, too long after that, in, in those beginning years that my wife was diagnosed with cancer, which you don't expect for that to happen. You know, we were so young and, and thankfully she's perfectly healthy now, obviously, as you know, but those, those are things that, that humble you and um, uh, they seizing you as well. The biggest difference between me now and me 10 years ago is I'm not so quick to speak. I was so quick to speak and um, probably still too quick to speak into a situation, but hopefully a little less so now. The Lord just humbles you uh, so that you can be useful to him. And then along the way, just teaching us to to love others, even, even if they become a critic of your ministry, because oftentimes the Lord uses critics, even if they're, even if they're, intentions are malicious, the Lord will use critics for your good. And sometimes they have a point, even if they're not handling it maturely, they have a point and you have to address some of those things and just loving people. And some of that was just some growing pains. And even just, as we mentioned before, just a different culture. I come from a very Southern culture, very Southern family. And that's very different to kind of an East Coast mentality. Not bad, not good, not worse, not better. I'm I'm not making those kind of judgments just different. different yeah. And when we first kind of arrived here off the boat, there was just a little bit of not total culture shock, but a little bit of that to just say, you know, what is going on? And then a bunch of people from New Jersey showed up and there's a whole new realm, uh, a round of culture shock yeah. to say that is very different than what we're used to. Yeah, for sure. And the process of learning from others and loving others has really just been very beneficial to to our family and to to me personally in my ministry. So those are some of the kind of the discouragements and kind of the things the Lord worked on you. And what do you think some of the biggest encouragements over the years that the Lord's brought in your life that you can say, man, that, that was so cool to see how the Lord worked in that way? There's absolutely no question. My the most gratifying part of ministry for me is the people. Yeah. It's just the people. I mean, I, you know, I remember passages that I've studied. I don't really remember sermons that I've preached. Uh, You come up with all these great ministry initiatives. I don't really remember ministry initiatives. None of those things, uh, you know, building things and stuff like that. We're, you know, we're still renting. We're still trying to find permanent building. Those things are kind of, are the ups and downs of ministry. And of course, people are challenging because they're all sinners. But the the thing that I love most about the last 10 years of ministry is just, 
is just the people that the Lord has brought into this ministry and the, and the lives that have been changed by that. And to know that God has done that, and he's allowed me to be a part of that, how joyous is that? And it certainly does not depend upon me, and I, don't, I will never receive any of the credit for it, but, but to have a front row seat for it, I mean, that's, that's, that is the most encouraging part about ministry. When, I, when, I'm, when I'm away on a Sunday, recently had to preach somewhere else and was, was happy to serve and encourage another church, but I just, I don't like being away. And it's, it's, there's only one explanation for that. It can't be the preaching because I was preaching there, just like I'm preaching here, although I like my pulpit better than the pulpit I used that Sunday. It's, yeah, you're pretty bullish on the pulpit. It's not, it's a very nice pulpit, uh, but um, but the but the reason the real reason why uh, I'm I miss being here so much it's just the people, you know it's 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 worshiping and serving alongside the people that that are spiritual family in a way that can only um, in a way that can only happen when when you're members together of the same congregation and so. Uh, you know, I think that's the most encouraging thing. I can look back and see specific answers to prayer uh, that the Lord has brought about that demonstrates his love and faithfulness towards this church. Uh, but the 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 most impactful, most encouraging, uh, the thing that, that I remember with the greatest fondness is, is just the people and the different, I mean, we think about how many people in our church were baptized in our ministry? Yeah. I think about that frequently. Just what? And what kind of baptism, what kind of baptism service was it? You know, were we using an inflatable hot tub? <laughs> exactly. Was there a cold, <laughs> freezing pool behind an old pulpit somewhere? Oh, that was the worst. That was one of our... I remember, I remember showing up to church and you had the orange... The orange swim trunks, and I was like, what is happening right That's, now? yeah. I, and at that time, it, listen, if it wasn't, you know, <laughs> you know my conscience was so bothered by you wearing orange shorts, bro. What I are had, you doing? What are you even doing? I, I know, <laughs> and I, it, okay, here's a funny story about that one. Okay, here's a little funny behind-the-scenes story. That was one of our first baptism services Right, ever. Shelburne. Uh, yep, and I, I told the guys, you know, budget was a little tight, and I went to the leaders and said, hey, can we buy some waiters? So that I can just wear my suit, you know, or whatever, take my shoes off, throw the waders on, and as long as the water stays above or below the waders, I can just get out and above freezing and take the waders <laughs> off and then go straight to preaching. It was the way it had to work. The guys didn't want me they didn't want to buy me a set of waders for the <laughs> baptism. That's why I, I end up wearing my swim trunks for the first part of service. And and also we were using somebody else's church, and uh, the 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 other pastor was super kind, very nice. He said, "I'll get it all going for you." I thanked him, and he said, "I'll turn the heater on." the The heater blew a fuse, and didn't heat the water up at all. And this was in it had to have been December or January. It's cold, and the water temperature in there was was in the fifties. Yeah, in this thing because there's a there there's a little gauge there. Uh, uh, and everybody who got in is like, oh, and, and I'm thinking to myself, you think it's bad. I've been standing here for six baptisms. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, we do it a little bit differently now. Uh, but, uh, yeah, some of the circumstances of those things. I remember, yeah, yeah we had to pick up, uh, what was it like the, like a water trough from yep. another church that they kept under an old 
like tractor trailer trailer and yep. you had to like sweep all the spiders and grass out of it first try to fill it up with some warm water well Oof. i the closest i ever came to changing my view of baptism <laughs> was when we were one week that that feeding trough this giant feeding trough thing gets filled up with water and there's a valve on it to to empty the water yeah i'm up here by myself studying and i hear something i walk around the valve has failed and water is pouring out of it into the church fresh carpet too brand new carpet the water's pouring out here i am you know like in my work clothes you know at the church and trying to figure out what am i going to do the valve's broke it won't stop and eventually i had to take the hose that you connect to the valve that you would you connect the hose on run the hose out the door open the valve empty the water while the water is pouring out of this thing, I had to connect the hose to that valve, which would not close, and then throw the hose over the top of the trough, you know, to keep the water yeah. from going. I was soaking wet. And I remember thinking at that moment, if I was ever going to change my view on baptism, today <laughs> was, would be the that day. Was the one. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, as you're thinking about, you know, passages to study through, I know you said you don't remember as much, but like, you know, how did you kind of choose your books even? What were you going to study through? So you went through Mark. You know, I remember that. That was, you know, some so formative for my Christian walk because that was about the time we got here. You know, you, you you were here a year. We got here that Christmas following. And so you, you know, the first sermon I was here was your Christmas service uh, for that you know, first year you were here. Yeah. And then, uh, and then so you started going through Mark. And then, you know, how did you kind of pick the books you were going to go through? It all just kind of depended on where we were at in the, in the life in the season of our church, um, you know, we've we've been through uh, Galatians, Ephesians, First and Second Thessalonians, Mark. We're in John now. Uh, we've done the first three chapters of Genesis, uh, Micah, Nehemiah, Philemon, Micah, Zephaniah. Um, so we we've done a little bit of bouncing back and yeah, forth. Some of that was Sunday morning uh, sermons. Some of that was Sunday school sermons. Yep. Yep. That's right. Uh, some of it's just been praying through, um, praying through what what I think you know would be helpful for the church and asking the Lord for wisdom of that. Some of that's talking to the elders. I mean, last year we met, kind of had a planning meeting, and I asked you guys where where you wanted me to go, and I had a couple of ideas where I wanted to go, and I think John was third on my list, but John was first on the elders list, so I went with John, and I'm I'm loving it by the way. Um, I think it's been hugely impactful for our church. So um, some of it's just a matter of discussing it with the elders. A lot of it's prayer, thinking it through. I like to jump back in the Old Testament for, for a little bit of selfish reasons, because if I don't use my Hebrew, I will forget it all. And so I don't want to go too long without being in study of the Old Testament. And my Hebrew gets it's all coming together for us now. Useless. Now we know why. You know, exactly. Genesis, little, little John now. So. It, exactly. Awesome. So um, some of it some of it depends on that. I think I think a couple of the most impactful series that we've did, the, the series, one series that really stands out to me is the study we did through the book of Lamentations. Uh, I think I think when I, when I announced to everybody I was going to preach through Lamentations next, I think some people were thinking about transferring their membership for a while. Like, yeah. why are we studying that? Uh, but once we got into it, I think it was 
it, it was very impactful. Uh, and then, you know, it seems like the Lord um, blessed uh, the First Thessalonians series as well. First Thessalonians written to a young church, kind of church plants, newer church on on really ecclesiology, practical ecclesiology. And I think that was really helpful for us as a church when we went through it and the, the time that we went through it. Um, but obviously all of God's word is profitable. Yeah. I remember, you know, you were talking about that stuff. There's different things that happened in the past. And I'm thinking now about the times you used to lead song service. You uh, Oh, no. Yeah. I am so glad we live stream the services and there, you can watch the video on YouTube. I am so glad that there's no, no evidence, evidence that I, yeah. for the first number of years led the song service at our church. And, uh, one of our, one of our dear members played the piano basically every Sunday. And if it wasn't for her musical prowess, we would have been in big trouble, but, um, yeah, led the song service song for, service. and so we had somebody qualified because that's kind of the thing is I, it's not that I wanted to be up in front. It's that you have to have qualified men that you're putting in places of leadership because, if you're putting forth men who aren't qualified as examples to the church and you're putting them before the church, that's going to create long-term damage to the church. So, you know, I'm so thankful now that I have, I have no more to do with the music ministry for the most part than anybody else in our church does. I just benefit from the ministry of, of somebody else, of Steve in that regard. And, um, yeah, so, when you, you know, when I first got here, you were, you know, you had started that kind of the men's discipleship, you know, that was going and blowing. And, and that was the priority that you had placed on the ministry, just training up men. Now I know it wasn't necessarily for any other reason that you didn't want to lead song service. Anymore. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we did men's ministry for years until we had a, somebody who was qualified to lead the music ministry. And then, uh, whatever, we can keep doing this or not. I've accomplished my goal, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's encouraging to think about, you know, the faithfulness of the Lord and, you know, even the different buildings we were in and some without air conditioning in the summer and, you know, just moving chairs and, you know, the I remember the, I forget the name of it now, the, the girl, Boys, and, Boys Girls and Girls Club, Club yeah. having to move chairs back and forth and every Sunday basically, you know, redoing that. And now, you know, we, we grumble when we have to move chairs for a fellowship meal or something and we used to do that every Sunday, so... Uh, just to think about the Lord's faithfulness and all that and, you know, how the Lord's used you in this ministry. You know, I know we're, all our listeners are grateful for you and for the 10 years that you faithfully put here. And it's just encouraging to think about Lord's faithfulness and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, the Lord's kind. I mean, you talk about fellowship meals. I remember when we had a lot of the fellowship meals in my house. Yeah. Now we don't even have room at our church to host a fellowship meal for all the people who are coming, yeah. you know? So, yeah. I mean, that's, uh, it, it is, uh, it, it is amazing to see what the Lord has done and continues to do. And, and it really is, really is humbling that, that the Lord uses us to accomplish his purposes. Yeah. Well, uh, we will end that there and, uh, look forward to our next time together. So uh, thanks brother. Thank you, ma'am.